Just a content warning before this episode of Scandal, it does detail instances of domestic violence and may be triggering for some listeners. Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. Seven years, Khloe Kardashian's marriage to Lamar Odom made for perfect tabloid fodder. A rapid-fire wedding, strip clubs, drug abuse and infidelity. But have we ever had enough empathy for the woman at the centre of it all? Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Zara McDonald, we are back and we are about to launch into what is a very meaty two-part scandal series. Yeah, look, this one is really interesting, Mitch, because you suggested this. You said to me, I think we should look back at the two major relationships in Khloe Kardashian's life because there is just so much there. And I have to say, I think I took a little bit of convincing. Mm. But the minute we started digging into this, it really started to rejig my perspective perhaps on who Chloe is and how she's been portrayed over the years. Yeah, I think as well when it's a story that we all lived through, we get such little bits of information along such a large amount of time that it's actually very difficult to piece everything together and have a good perspective on it. I think as well the media's coverage of Khloe Kardashian has been pretty biased and pretty toxic for the last, what, 10, 15 years. Yeah, I think it's been incredibly narrow mm. coverage. I think we've focused on the things that we've wanted to focus on, which has been, to be totally honest with you, her relationship with her body. I mean, notwithstanding, she's also kind of made her body the centre of some decisions too, like a television show. And of course, very, very recently, as we had a conversation about on Shameless, allegedly photoshopping a whole array of photos that she's putting on social media. Mm. But that said, I think what I found after doing this research and going through this script a million times is I probably have never had enough empathy and respect for the kinds of things that she's been put through. Yeah. So over the next two episodes, we will talk about the coverage around Khloe Kardashian, Khloe Kardashian's reputation, her body, but in particular, her love life. So in episode one, Zara, we are going to retrace 
every major milestone in her marriage and then subsequent divorce to Lamar Odom. Episode two, we will be talking about her relationship that is very on and off again with Tristan Thompson. Yeah, let's introduce Chloe Kardashian, shall we? Chloe is the youngest of the three Kardashian sisters. When filming for Keeping Up with the Kardashians began in 2007, Chloe was only 23 years old, which sitting here as a 27-year-old feels so, so very young. Kim Kardashian was about 27 and Courtney was 28. Yeah, and as we know, the year prior to filming beginning, uh, Kim and Courtney had started a LA fashion boutique called Dash, mm. uh, the very famous <laughs> Dash. So they were slowly on the rise in Hollywood. But initially what was very stark about Khloe Kardashian was how she was treated by the media very differently to her sisters. Yeah, absolutely. I think off the bat, Courtney and Kim Kardashian were really renowned for their figures and they made that central to their brand as well. Like they did a whole bunch of sponsorships with Quick Trim about how to lose weight fast. They were very, very petite, very small humans. Their younger sister in Khloe is not small statured like they are. She's actually quite tall. She has a very athletic build. And I think when you see the three of them side by side, they have different body types and the media was discussing that at length. Yeah, it was one of the core narratives around Khloe Kardashian the minute she hit the public eye. In 2009, she did a cover shoot with Life and Style magazine, which featured a photo of her in a bikini alongside a headline reading, Don't Call Me Fat. In the interview, she opened up about how everyone criticises me about my weight all of the time. Now, I know it might sound interesting for our listeners to launch in so quickly into this really heavy media narrative that was created around Khloe Kardashian, but I think it's incredibly central to her relationships after this. Yeah, and I think it's been incredibly central to who Khloe Kardashian is and who she was even as a very small child. One of the quotes that stood out to me was, when I was a chunky little eight-year-old and I had these two beautiful sisters, I'd wonder, why don't I look like that? Now I hate it when people compare me to my sisters. Courtney's five feet tall. I am five foot ten. Kim is five foot two. I will never look like them. No matter how skinny I am, that body will never be mine. And I think she felt like she needed to address this publicly because there was so much commentary made for her. Mm. I mean, one example of this is Perez Hilton, who really didn't let up in his coverage of Chloe for years about her body. I mean, Perez once wrote an article about her camel toe in a pair of sweatpants and then also compiled a list of all the times that Chloe actually had a camel toe. And this is a quote from the article. That silly little bugger loves to steal the spotlight from the reality star at the most inconvenient times and in the most random places. Yes, he is referring to that silly little bugger as a camel toe. Maybe she just wears a lot of pants that are shaped that way. Whatevs. But in light of the occasions we've spotted Coco with some sort of frontal wedgie, we've collected photos from several camel toe sightings. Hey, everyone wants to free the nipple. We might as well embrace another natural part of anatomy, right? To say this was misogynistic and bizarre is such an understatement. In June 2008, Perez Hilton again posted about Khloe Kardashian's supposed camel toe. He wrote a really sarcastic caption under a photo with the headline, A Thing of Exquisite Beauty. Then he went on to say, Khloe Kardashian and her camel toe, that thing is huge. I cannot imagine having anyone write this about me and send it out or have hundreds of thousands of eyeballs find it at any age, let alone 
at the very precarious age Khloe Kardashian was when this stuff was happening. Like 23, 24, when a lot of women in their 20s are already struggling with poor body image, she was having to wake up and see articles like this written about her by a man as well adds a layer to it that's even more seedy. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's also as she was starting to grapple with like international fame, which would be a bit of a mindfuck in and of itself. Mm. I mean, TMZ also once dedicated a whole article to how she ate a corn dog at an event once under the headline, Chloe likes her wieners on a stick. They wrote in this article, as someone who picked Wendy's as her last meal before going to jail, it is no surprise that Khloe Kardashian attacked the free food at Tony Hawk's sidekick launch party on Friday night. Fitting with her fast food persona, she went straight for a dog on a stick. Luckily, a scrawny TMZ producer was there to snap a photo of Chloe chomping down on a Frank. Unfortunately, he also got caught and was a little worried Chloe would topple him. A scrawny TMZ producer juxtaposed with this apparently insatiable woman who is chomping down on a wiener on a stick and who might topple him. It's such gross language and such gross imagery to put out. It's also very deliberate imagery. Like they know exactly what they're doing when they're writing this. The policing of Chloe's weight and her body continued for years. As we know, in 2014, E! Online wrote, Chloe Kardashian says she has gained at least 10 pounds while slacking off during her time filming Courtney and Chloe take the Hamptons in New York this past summer and has vowed to resume working on her fitness. Now, That wording, Mish, vowed to work on her fitness, feels very much like she owes the public some sort of promise to drop the weight that she's put on. Yeah, it almost feels apologetic. It's like, oh, she's gained 10 kilos. What a shame. But don't worry, guys, she's going to bounce back to how she once was. It's like, no, she can just gain that and be at that weight and that's fine. She actually doesn't owe the public anything. But the positioning around all of these articles during this time, which was such an important and crucial time in Chloe's life, set up this dynamic that we expect a certain body type from a Kardashian. And if she doesn't deliver that body type, she is letting not herself down, but the public down. And she needs to do whatever is in her power to get that Kardashian body that we have come to expect of her. Yeah. And to make that promise to the public that she'll get back to what we need Mm. and want, which is just so odd. I mean, then of course we had that rumor that because Chloe looked so unlike her sisters, Chloe's dad wasn't Robert Kardashian, but OJ Simpson. What is really curious and bizarre about this narrative is that Robert Kardashian's subsequent wives named Jan Ashley and Ellen Kardashian both did come out in 2012 and claim that it was a known fact amongst the family that Chloe was not his kid, including Chloe. Yeah. So Ellen Kardashian told Star Magazine at the time, Chloe brought it up all the time. She looked nothing like the rest. She was tall, had a different shape, light hair, curly hair didn't look anything like the other three children. Now that quote doesn't really, I don't know. I mean, I know that Ellen Kardashian is saying that is symptomatic of Chloe knowing that her father is not Robert Kardashian. But Chloe bringing up all the time that she looks nothing like her siblings is not 
the same as Chloe believing and knowing that her paternity is different to her siblings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Chloe's denied this on so many occasions. The rumours got so out of hand that the family actually looked into getting a DNA test on one episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Chloe actually refused to participate. And Kris Jenner also vigorously denied the claims, saying that Chloe was not Robert's kid and gave a pretty carefully worded statement saying, I gave birth, I know who the dad was. Whatever is true, it was just the most inappropriate conversation because it was so rooted in appearance. Yeah, absolutely. In 2018, all of the Kardashians did a DNA test to see what ethnicity they were. And Chloe was found to have the same ethnic heritage as her sister, Courtney, dispelling the rumors that they were only half related. Yeah. So this experience of Chloe constantly having her appearance compared to that of her sisters really took a, a toll on Chloe's self-esteem. And I think it's something that we still hear about in 2021. I mean, just this year, Chloe released comments about how these comments have made her feel like she needs to look a certain way. And she said, in truth, the pressure, constant ridicule and judgment my entire life to be perfect and meet others standards of how I should look has been too much to bear. Chloe is the fat sister. Chloe is the ugly sister. Her dad must not be her real dad because she looks so different. The only way she could have lost that weight must have been from surgery. Yeah. So before we actually get to Chloe Kardashian's relationships with men and her love life, I think we do need to unpack her response to the obscene pressure that she has lived under since the age of 23. Because while the media narrative has been awful, Chloe, I think, has internalised a lot of it and unfortunately acted out her life, particularly over the last five or six years, because of it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, the idea that she wasn't good enough as she is or needed to work to deserve the public's adoration was very much channeled into a 2017 reality TV show, Revenge Body with Chloe Kardashian. I mean, she also peddled diet and weight loss supplements like laxative tea. So you very much got a woman here who was a victim of a system that was ingrained and nasty and very hard to fight. But we also have a woman here who's subjecting many other young women to the same system that she's been subjected to. Yeah, she's straddling the lines between victim and perpetrator of the same system, right? And so I think we can have sympathy whilst also acknowledging that she has profited directly from some of these partnerships that have also done harm to plenty of young women and young people in general across the world. I mean, the revenge body premise read as the following. Everyone knows what it's like to feel alone, left out, different or just not good enough. Welcome to Revenge Body, the show that is going to turn lives around with the ultimate true and total makeover of the exterior and interior. It's all about showing the world all those people who doubted you, who rejected you, what they're now missing. It's all about the revenge body because the best revenge is looking and feeling your best. Now, Zara, it is late in the episode. I think we're <laughs> verging on almost 15 minutes in. but it's a I record. It is a record for Scandal. I think this is where we are going to now flash back. We wanted to give you this context. We really wanted to dive into the history of Khloe Kardashian, her relationship with the media and her relationship with her body because we need to. I think it's a huge part of her story. And yes, this will be about her love life. But this is the kind of ingredient that we just cannot leave out of this. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So let's flashback finally to 2009. Yeah, we're about to meet someone and his name is Lamar. 
So in walks Lamar, right, in 2009, <laughs> at this point in her life, Khloe Kardashian is really making a name for herself. I mean, she starred in a brand new spinoff called Khloe and Courtney Take Miami in August. She was very much at this point in her life trying to break away from being just an ancillary Kardashian character. Yeah. For a long time in those early years, it was very much like Kim. And just the rest. Yeah, it was like Kim and an amorphous blob of Kardashian Brown siblings. Brown sisters. And now by 2009, people are starting to learn the name of Chloe and, of course, of her sister, Courtney. Now, in 2009, Chloe Kardashian is newly single. She has just split from her boyfriend, NBA player Rashad McCants, after discovering that he had been unfaithful to her. But guess what? She's back on the market. She's ready for a new partner. Yeah, exactly. And the next person that catches her eye, Mish, is Lamar Odom. He is an NBA basketballer and she meets him in August 2009. Chloe was at a party for the LA Lakers basketball player, Meta Sandiford Artest. And who happened to be there? Of course, it was Lamar. Yeah. Now, Lamar was one of the LA Lakers star players, which is saying something because the LA Lakers is like a marquee team in the competition, one of the most successful teams in the history of the NBA. Lamar had had a pretty tough life before he made it big in basketball. By this point, he was a parent to three children from his former relationship, including his youngest son, Jaden, who had sadly passed away when he was just six months old. Lamar was also grieving his mum. He lost his mum to cancer when he was just 12 years old and he was estranged from his father. Yeah, and losing his mum was actually a very big reason why Lamar says he got into basketball because when things got tough at home, he said he could just go to the local basketball court and play. Lamar has been really open about falling for Chloe very, very quickly. He once told Wendy Williams, I didn't even know who she was when I met her. I went up and spoke to her, introduced myself. I fell in love. She's a beautiful person inside out. It did take Chloe a little bit longer to warm as much to Lamar. In an interview with iVillage in 2011, she admitted, the first time I met Lamar, I wasn't that down for him. It was typical. I was in a nightclub. He was a basketball player. Once I got to meet him, his heart, I love him his smile. I mean, I love everything about Lamar, but at first nothing really attracted me to him. (laughs) Now, I mean, she's acting in that quote like it was a really slow burn for her and she needed weeks or months. Took a couple of days. Yeah. She needed weeks or months to warm to him in the same way. We know for a fact that's not true, Zara. Why do we know that's not true? Because exactly one month after they met, they were tying the knot. (laughs) So luckily, the whole engagement, the whole wedding just happened to be captured by the cameras and was cut together in an 85-minute episode to kick off season four of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Now, the episode where they decided to get married, opened with Chloe and Lamar sitting at a bar and it was about two-ish weeks, right, after they just met. Lamar turned to Chloe and said, I have found the woman I am compatible with. I want to hang out forever. I would marry you right now. We should get married on the 27th (laughs) this month. That wedding date would mean it was exactly one month after they met and around nine days after getting engaged. Yeah. So why the 27th of September? Apparently the 27th and number 27 is an important number for Chloe and Lamar. Chloe's birthday falls on the 27th of June. Lamar, 
loves the number seven, says it's his favourite number ever, and that because there are two of them in this relationship, (laughs) 27 makes sense. And finally, the last flight that Lamar took from New York was United Flight 27. They said it was a sign. No, they wouldn't get married on the 27th in six months' time. They must get married on this 27th this month. I mean, numbers aside, Chloe did say at the end of the day she didn't want to wait. She said, honestly, I have never felt this way. I am head over heels in love and Lamar's head over heels in love with me. She also said in the episode... I've never had anybody tell me so many times a day how pretty I am and make me feel like I am everything he says I am. Mm. I think this is a pretty important quote given everything that we've spoken about earlier, Mish, and given the treatment of her in the public eye by media outlets and the focus on her body. Yeah, I've never had somebody tell me how many times a day how pretty I am. I think that is very loaded and very telling as well. These two also bonded so deeply in part because they were both sharing the trauma of having lost a parent at quite a young age. Chloe said, I've never had someone be so honest with me about their life and about their past. Yeah, so the Kardashian family had pretty mixed reactions to this. I mean, we say pretty mixed reactions. You never know if it's just concocted for the (laughs) show itself, so there's a story to tell. But Kris Jenner seemed relatively cool about the whole thing. I mean, she was happy to get stuck into wedding planning. Courtney and Kim were shocked that she was getting married so quickly but came around to the idea. But it was Chloe's stepdad, Caitlyn Jenner, who apparently discovered the news via the nightly news. I mean, (laughs) that's what she says. And seemed to be one of the only people that had maybe a pretty level-headed response Mm. to this. She questioned whether it was a good idea to get married after knowing someone just for a few weeks. But even Caitlin ended up supporting the wedding and walked Chloe down the aisle. Now, as someone who is in the thick of planning a wedding and knows how many headaches can pop up here and there, I am shocked that they managed to do this in the space of nine days. The poor people planning this. This is remarkable. And it looked really well put together. I mean, it looked very 2009. I'll put my hand up and say that. But it looked like a very well-oiled machine. Chloe and Lamar got married at a huge Beverly Hills mansion belonging to a family friend. It was music executive Irving Azoff. I feel like the number one way to know that a family has money is if their offspring get married at a private estate of a family friend. I don't have any family friends with backyards big enough for me to get married in. No, or it also could be bothered. The list included Ryan Seacrest, Chelsea Handler, Kobe Bryant and Kelly Osborne. And the celebrant told Chloe and Lamar, I have had the privilege of getting to know the both of you a bit. It's been like a week. It has been nine days since they got engaged, so getting to know them a bit over the course of nine days, I mean, sure. Now, this might sound familiar if you have listened to our two-part episode on Kim Kardashian's 72-day marriage, but Chloe wore a custom Vera Wang mermaid dress, just like her sister. She had a lilac sash around the waist. Not a huge fan of lilac sashes. What do we think? I'm going to say no, unfortunately. I'm going to say a big no. She did wear Jimmy Choo heels. Her bridesmaids, which included Kim and Courtney, as well as her best friends, Malika and Khadijah, all wore matching lilac dresses. Dare I say, lilac anything at a wedding? In the bin. I didn't know lilac was ever in. Maybe (laughs) I missed something though. Chloe and Lamar said I do in front of triple arches of white roses. There was also a 10-piece orchestra played during the ceremony, but that was a very different vibe (laughs) to the nightclub-themed reception. That actually was the theme. A 
white club theme. I mean, it doesn't actually sound that bad, which took place in a massive white tent. So there were chandeliers, there was a white dance floor, there were mirrors, there were tall white centerpieces made of roses and like exotic leaves in large glass vases. But the most important thing is that there were colour changing lights. Do you think, I'm just thinking about this now for the first time. Do you think this was just media embellishment? That just sounds like a normal wedding to me with a dance floor. Do you think the media was just trying to find angles to be like the theme of Khloe Kardashian's reception, nightclub theme, like they have flashing lights, everyone has that on the dance floor. And a bit of music and a DJ. Yeah, it's like, ooh, there's a DJ and a dance floor. That's every wedding I've ever been to. Well, it is is very true. Like what is the difference between a wedding (laughs) dance floor and a nightclub? Not a huge amount, (laughs) it would seem. Babyface did serenade the newlyweds with a rendition of You Are So Beautiful. The bridesmaids also changed into purple velour juicy tracksuits with Mr. and Mrs. Odom, September 27, 2009, written on the back in yellow font because, Zara, purple plus yellow equals the LA Lakers colours. Also, the colours of a violet crumble. This also the colours we wore to the Arias two yeah. years ago. I think this is the biggest argument for it being a nightclub. People turning up in like juicy tracksuits or juicy velour tracksuits. That's fair enough. I mean, the episode they got out of this was dramatic and brought in 3.2 million viewers at the time that it aired, which is just huge numbers. So mm. very much worth it for the publicity, but also if this is how they wanted to get married. I guess, worth it for them too. From the outside, Mish, Chloe and Lamar's relationship looked pretty good, at least in comparison to perhaps her sister's relationships. Yeah, this looked really healthy as a mad Keeping Up With The Kardashians fan. For the couple of seasons after they got married, they seemed very, very well suited. I think this stands out to me as one of the more joyful Kardashian romances. I feel like there was a lot of playful and fun energy between Chloe and Lamar that I didn't see between Kim and Kanye in particular. Yeah, so they both continue to appear on Keeping Up With The Kardashians, but in addition to that, they started their own show, Chloe and Lamar, in 2011. I'm just starting to realise how many bloody spin-offs there were. There were so many. Like, so many spin-offs. They also released a joint fragrance together called Unbreakable, and put out a promotional video climbing on top of each other for it. Yeah, while they were naked. Why not? Go for it. Love that for them. We know that perfumes create empires, so why not? (laughs) We do. Lamar's appearance on all of these reality TV shows didn't fare well for his career. I mean, it kind of coincided, this rise of reality TV fame coincided with a decline in his athletic achievements and his achievements on the basketball court. Whether or not that was a relationship of causation or just correlation, we're not quite sure. The New York Times wrote that people were raising their eyebrows and that the LA Lakers coach, Phil Jackson, was publicly wondering, pondering whether or not Lamar's reality TV career would affect his ability to concentrate on the game. I mean, despite the fact that in the year that he married Khloe Kardashian, he did set some career highs, he was traded from the Lakers to the Dallas Mavericks, forcing him to move to Texas and leave the team and the coach. Now, it's so interesting because LA was very much the centre of the Kardashian world. It was very easy for him to balance his basketball career and filming, but suddenly he's moving to Texas, which mm. is not quite where the Kardashians are. One former NBA player told the New York Times, I think that was the start of it when everything went bad. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're talking about a man who doesn't have a relationship with his dad, lost his mum... If you're brought into a sporting fraternity and you have people kind of close their arms around you and nurture you for so long, 
it would almost feel like a loss of a family. Certainly, at the very least, a loss of the structure that has kept you on the straight and narrow. Yeah, exactly. And the straight and narrow was not where he stayed. Mish, we will find out all about that and more after the break. Zara, before the break, you put it very well when you said the straight and narrow is not where Lamar Odom stayed. Now, take me to 2012 because 2012 is the year where things started to go very wrong. Yeah, so Chloe and Lamar had been together about two and a half years when whispers really started to emerge that there was trouble brewing. There was allegations that Lamar was behaving inappropriately towards other women. And Mish, this started as early as January 2012. Yeah. So back in January 2012, Radar Online reported that Lamar had been seen having, and I quote, a wild night with strippers at a notorious Washington DC strip club after playing a game for the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I want to also put it on the record before we share more details of stories from the year 2012, conversations in the media coverage of the sex work industry were very regressive around this time. So if any of these quotes feel a bit on the nose to you, they also feel a bit confronting for us too. Absolutely. The gossip website wrote that multiple eyewitnesses have told us that Odom dropped hundreds of dollars on dancers and at one point was sprawled out in a dimly lit corner of the stadium strip club, a venue that bills itself as a five-star dining and premier gentleman's club experiences. Apparently, according to Radar Online, strippers were grinding on him and at one point he allegedly went into a private room with one stripper. Yeah. It was also reported that night that people who were at the strip club and observing what had happened were actually tweeting Chloe Kardashian about it. So one strip club goer wrote on Instagram, Lamar Odom at Stadium Strip Club in DC acting bad at Chloe Kardashian. Imagine getting that publicly. Mm. Like it's one thing to hear these news reports later, but in real time receiving tweets that are telling you that your husband is cheating on you is just bizarre. Lamar's life on the basketball court was also far from easy at this point too. While some thought that maybe moving from the Lakers to the Mavericks would invigorate his love of the game, it really appeared to do anything but. Like it felt very much like his career was a bit in freefall. Yeah, in March 2012, criticism was quite rife actually. As reported by the Dallas Morning News, coach Rick Carlisle was not happy with Lamar Odom's focus and he was not happy with his performance on the court either. This is what Rick told the newspaper. When Lamar comes back from the season break, we're going to find out very quickly where things are. He's going to have to show us with his actions and attitude that he's in. Look, our fans want to know that Lamar's in. Our players want to know that Lamar's in. It's not about how many points he's scoring or rebounds. Our people, our players want to see the guy playing like his pants are on fire. We haven't seen that so far. That's got to change. Things started to go awry in the marriage as well around this time. So in an interview with People magazine in May 2012, Chloe said, I like to think that divorce is not an option, which obviously left a lot of people speculating that divorce was an option. If you're even clarifying that you'd like to think it's not an option, then clearly there's something going on. I mean, she also appeared on the cover of the magazine with a headline that read, fighting for our marriage. Mm. So... At this point, too, they'd also cancelled their show, Chloe and Lamar, and said in announcing that that they hoped it would have less pressure on them. So you can imagine this pressure cooker that they're in where 
they are likely struggling behind closed doors, but also having to be public about the fact that they're struggling. Yeah. Now, over the next 12 months, the pressure didn't seem to die down. And by the following year, so July 2013, it was very apparent to everyone that some severe cracks, some really deep cracks had developed in this marriage. Yeah, it did take about 12 months, though, to work out what those cracks really were or what Mm. had been going on. So in July 2013, about a year after Chloe did that people cover, Tabloids did report that Lamar had actually been cheating on Chloe that entire year ever since he met that woman at the stadium club that night. So it was alleged through these tabloids reports that Lamar had met up with this woman a further two times over the course of the year before engaging in a proper affair. Her name was Jennifer Richardson and she was 29 years old at the time. Yeah. Reports that year spoke to Jennifer Richardson's friend who said as soon as she got there, he took her phone apart and put the pieces in different spots all around the room. He actually took the battery out and the back off. She thought he was afraid that she would take photos or record him. Now, Chloe Kardashian's representative denied reports of the affair when they surfaced, but in August, things only got messier because another woman by the name of Polina Polonsky said that she too was having a sexual affair with Lamar. Yeah, so a lot going on. According to the LA Times, 2013 was a particularly confusing year for Chloe and Lamar. It was pretty apparent to the media that their relationship was very much on again, off again. Reports were swirling that Lamar was being kicked out of the house, then let back in. I mean, for example, he wasn't invited to Kanye West's surprise proposal to Kim Kardashian in October, but was photographed with the family a few weeks later at a basketball match, which says very much to me, not properly together, but trying to work on it. Therefore, you don't get the benefit of being invited to the proper Mm, things. Yeah, absolutely. LA Times summed up the drama pretty well from 2013 with this line. Another week, another batch of Khloe Kardashian and Lamar Odom break up reconciliation rumours. So it wasn't just the marriage turmoil, I think, that was making news. At this point in time, so about between August and October 2013, It was pretty widely reported that Lamar Odom was experiencing addiction issues. People magazine reported that the basketballer had completed a stint in a rehab centre the previous August. So back in 2012, kind of back when these issues started to really rear their head. They also added that while Lamar was staying clean throughout the basketball season, the off season was proving very difficult for him. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the stories that we hear even about local sporting stars, that their commitment to their sport and that routine is really helpful for them. Like Ben Cousins comes to mind, that he tended to be really quite functional during the football season. But when that ends and there's that long stretch of time without that routine, without that structure, they do fall into old habits or bad habits. And I think that definitely happened for Lamar. He found the off-season very, very difficult. Yeah. So at that point as well, he was also pulled over by police while driving and was alleged to have been driving under the influence. Now, after he was unable to perform a sobriety test, he was arrested. It was about 4am and he was taken into police custody, which is also just not the news the family want to be surrounded by. No. By September 5th, BBC was reporting that Lamar was being admitted back into a rehabilitation centre. By the first week of October, episodes of Keeping Up With The Kardashians were airing where Chloe was speaking quite candidly about Lamar's mental health problems and the difficulties that they were struggling with. Yeah, and it felt very much like the first time that she acknowledged it. I mean, we had a bit of a sense that perhaps things weren't perfect behind the scenes, but I don't think we had 
a really firm picture of what exactly was going on. So in a piece to camera, Chloe said, I mean, there's a lot of emotional issues I think Lamar has. You know, I do want to help or cater to Lamar, but there's only so much anybody can take. Lamar, he is a very depressed person, which is sad but understandable for everything he's been through in life. And I do love Lamar with every ounce of who I am, but it's really scary when someone's in such a deep lull and you know they're relying on you to get them out and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying and nothing's really working. I think any Keeping Up fans who watched this season will really feel for Chloe during this time. She seems to be the kind of person who takes on the burdens and struggles, particularly of the men around her. So her brother, Rob Kardashian, Chloe was kind of the lion in the family who did everything she could to keep Rob on the straight and narrow. When Lamar was struggling, it was the same. She was living with both Rob and Lamar at the same time when they were both going through mental health battles. And I think anyone who has any idea of that show knows that Chloe is that person who heaps the load onto her own back. By December 2013, after months of speculation, she filed for divorce from Lamar. A few days later, she tweeted, This in and of itself is heartbreaking and torture to my soul. Please, I don't need the extra rumours and bullshit right now. During a conversation with Kim and Courtney on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Chloe kind of further explained how tough a decision it was for her to file for divorce. She said... I don't think he understands when I tell him he needs to fix this marriage. I've said to him, if you don't start showing up to therapy, then I'm done. I'm going to file. But the saddest part is when that doesn't even rattle the person, I threaten it and no one even blinks an eye. So then I wonder, so what have I been fighting for? Yeah. It's really sad, that quote, because I think there would be so many listeners who would relate to that to really, really want to help someone and put an ultimatum in front of them and then realize when you put that ultimatum in front of them, they're not even shaken by it at all. Yeah, and I think when you add drugs and alcohol into the mix, it's like how can you even pierce through that? Like how can you reach them when they're not fully there at the moment? They're under such like a a fog or a cloud of addiction. Now, over the last couple of years in particular, details have come out about this period that we didn't know at the time. Yeah, so in his 2019 autobiography, Darkness to Light, Lamar actually wrote that he was a professional at hiding his drug addiction. He said, Chloe didn't know for a long time. You don't want your wife to know that you're sniffing coke and having sex. Like incredibly candid there. He also said... I was hiding it for a while, but then I got frustrated and was like, fuck it. Around two years before we split up, so in 2011, I was in the man cave she made for me and she caught me. She was disappointed, so was I. The sad thing about it is I don't know if I was disappointed because I was actually doing the drug or because she caught me. She knew I was doing cocaine the whole time after that. It was my drug of choice. I'm not going to say she accepted it because that would be the wrong word. Tolerated would be the better word. Yeah. So even though Chloe and her reps denied cheating rumors in 2013, by July 2014, so several months after she had filed for divorce, she did admit on the family's TV show that she had actually always known about Lamar's infidelity. She said to her sisters, he's wearing his ring full time. Fuck your ring. You were wearing it when you fucked someone else too. She went on to say, the way I was living is not a way to live. Let me tell you something. Last year on my birthday, I lied to everyone because I had to lie and say I was with my husband when in fact my husband was missing with another girl. That's so rough. Oh, I just, my entire body gets goosebumps because it's like, not just dealing with heartbreak, you're also dealing with shame when addiction issues and infidelity are involved. Like she has to deal with 
the public scrutiny, personal heartbreak and shame and this taboo on top of that. Yeah, and in a tell-all interview with Us Weekly in 2017, Lamar said that being Chloe's husband and going on TV made him way more attractive to other women. He said, women came out of the woodwork. If there is one thing I regret when I was married, it was having multiple affairs with different women. That wasn't the stand-up thing to do. I wish I could have kept my dick in my pants. Yeah. Now, if the infidelity and the addiction issues weren't already enough, there was also a domestic violence layer to this story as well that Lamar admits to. In his autobiography, he wrote that one of the most regrettable moments of his life was when he actually laid a hand on Chloe. This is what he wrote about Chloe coming down to the man cave, knocking on the door and interrupting a session that he was having with his friends. He wrote, I opened the door and suddenly grabbed her forcefully by the shoulders, which frightened her. What the fuck are you doing? I screamed out of my mind. I said, you trying to embarrass me in front of my friends? I will fucking kill you. You do not know what I'm capable of. That's terrifying stuff. He also went on to write, I was embarrassed and ashamed. It was a new low for our relationship and my life. The most regrettable moment in a series of regrettable moments. I'm pretty sure she had to be scared at that point in time. I'm thinking about it now. Like I couldn't believe how I was treating that queen like that. I wonder if that was when her kind of holding onto this marriage or her grip on this marriage just snapped. Like that is such an escalation of behaviour. That would be so terrifying. Yeah, a real line in the sand moment. So Chloe really tried to move on from Lamar in 2014. She dated rapper French Montana for eight months, but she later said during a December 2014 episode of Courtney and Chloe Take the Hamptons that she rushed into the romance. She said, it's nothing against French. I just think I don't want a boyfriend. I jumped into something because I was just like lonely and destructive, but now I just want to be alone. Yeah, Lamar didn't take news of Chloe filing for divorce very easily at all. In fact, he was dragging his feet to actually sign the divorce papers. So there was a report in Us Weekly in October 2014 that Chloe couldn't even get in touch with her estranged husband because he was refusing to get divorced. Yeah, it took until July 2015. So, gosh, nine months after that, more than, for court records to show that both Chloe and Lamar had both signed the divorce papers. Now, on July 21, Chloe tweeted, such a crazy day, very emotional. But at this point, they actually weren't officially divorced. So they'd signed the papers, but a judge would still have to approve and sign the documents for it to be official. Yeah. So they're not completely divorced. They're like semi-divorced. They're like 80% of the way there. Right, but not fully there yet. Now, despite this, it was clear that Chloe and Lamar were still in contact and had a lot of love for each other as well. Yeah, exactly. That same month, she told Complex Magazine, I talk to Lamar as often as I can. When you genuinely feel like that was the right relationship, you're supposed to give it your all. You took a vow before God and you're supposed to abide by that. I'm not rushing into my divorce because I'm not looking to get married tomorrow, so I don't have a deadline. I'm not rushing it. So when it's time and it's supposed to happen, it will. Yeah, she also admitted that she really missed her husband. She said, oh my God, I miss him every day. I miss what we had. Things we got to do together are just memories. I like looking back and holding on to that stuff. I definitely miss it. And there's times I'll get so sentimental and so sad, but this had to happen for some reason. And then the story took the most dramatic turn of all, Mish, because the divorce proceedings were halted in October after Lamar had a near fatal overdose in a Nevada 
Nevada brothel. Yeah, Lamar Odom was found unconscious at the Love Ranch brothel in Nevada and was rushed to hospital on October 13, 2015. And he almost died. This was incredibly serious. He says he suffered 12 strokes and two heart attacks after being found comatose at the brothel. Just insane stuff. He was placed on dialysis after starting to experience kidney failure too. And the sheriff told the press that he had taken cocaine and sexual performance enhancers like Viagra. The 911 caller also said that they had discovered him with blood coming out of his nose and white stuff coming out of his mouth and that they couldn't get him to wake up. Lamar later explained to Us Weekly that after he split with Chloe, his drug taking really got out of control. He moved into an apartment in LA with his friend Jamie Sanguthi. Now, so tragically, in June 2015, so about three months or four months before this accident and this overdose, Jamie died from a flesh-eating disease caused by using dirty needles. And Lamar said that this turned the drug use up to another level. Yeah, I was in a very dark place and very confrontational, he told Us Weekly. I wasn't trying to repair my marriage. I was just trying to get high. My life was all about drugs at that point. Now, apparently when he woke from his coma in the hospital, he couldn't walk or talk. But the very first thing he heard and saw was Chloe saying, hi, Mooka, which is the name his mum used to call him. Yeah, he says that Chloe played a huge role in getting his memory back. He said she would bring pictures of my mother and my grandmother. I kept thinking, am I paralyzed forever? Am I mute forever? It was scary shit. Faith got me through. So Chloe delayed the divorce to support his recovery. And of course, after that, after something so dramatic and near-death experience, there were all these rumours about whether Chloe and Lamar would actually get back together. Yeah, well, she almost refused to leave his bedside. Again, that lioness mentality of this is my person and I'm going to do whatever I can to protect them and make them healthy again. So she really was also saying this to the media as well. She said, even on an episode of Cocktails with Chloe, that the thought of getting back with Lamar and being married again would be, and I quote, like the best dream. Yeah, Lamar started hanging out with the Kardashian family again. So I think it would be fair to say that there was a bit of hope there. Yeah. Perhaps from Chloe's side. I mean, she said that on a television show. However, it just wasn't meant to be. On the same day, March 29, 2016, that photos were published in TMZ of Lamar drinking at a bar, Chloe tweeted to her followers, I hate this feeling helpless. Yeah, which would sum it up. If you're trying to help your partner recover from addiction issues and a few months after his coma, he's out at a bar again, you might throw your hands up in the air and say, I can't do anything more here. And that's precisely what Chloe did. According to the ABC in April, Chloe wrote on Instagram, sometimes the person you want most is the person you're best without. Letting go doesn't mean you don't care about someone anymore. It's just realizing that the only person you really have control over is yourself. We have to learn to to stop taking on people's problems as if they are our own. Loving people does not mean we have to carry their burdens and confusions on our back. Seems like quite a moment of clarity for her mm. because she refiled for divorce in May 2016 for the second and final time. Now, we know now that Lamar did ultimately get clean with the help of his daughter. He told Us Weekly in 2017 that he was sober, meaning no drugs. Yeah, great. An amazing turnaround for a man who has really had quite a difficult life and upbringing. That same year, so 2017, September 2017, 
Chloe would cross paths with a man who would soon become the father of her daughter. He would also be a man that would plunge her into arguably even bigger scandals than Lamar Odom ever did. That man is named Tristan Thompson. Yeah, I think if Chloe at this point in her life thought the drama was over, she was unfortunately a little bit naive because more drama was about to come. But we will explore all of that on the next episode of Scandal. We will see you then. I cannot wait for it. Hey, guys, props to our researcher, Justine Landis-Hanley, for this episode. She did so much good work on it. We researched it alongside her and loved getting some of these details to you. If you want to keep up to date with us, if you want to weigh in on this episode, come follow us over on Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast. You will find some throwback photos there too. Yeah, we can't wait. If you want to support the show, click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify or if you're feeling particularly kind, leave us a five-star review, but that's okay if not. (laughs) We will be back in your ears on Thursday with a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. Bye, guys. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.